Good morning. First of all, uh, I don't know where she went, but if you get a chance, say thanks to Jessa and her construction crew for painting our fellowship hall. It's, can't, it's, it's hard to believe how long we've been away. Because uh, it doesn't seem that long with Zoom, I guess. But I want to thank Jim for all he did to get us online. And so let's give Jim a hand. And Ben, Kyle, and Daniel that uh, preached. A lot has changed in our world, hasn't it? And a lot of things are going on in the last couple of weeks. But as I look at that, I realize we all wear masks. We just don't know it. We all wear a mask. And if you want to put this in spiritual perspective, we've all had this terminal virus, all of us. Some lived because of Christ. And some will die eternally because of the rejection of Christ. And so that's nothing new to us. It shouldn't be. But when it gets close to us personally, then things change, don't they? But we all wear a mask. When we see somebody for the first time, what do you see? What do you notice about them? What causes you to make a judgment call about that person? It happens almost immediately, doesn't it? But the Bible was full of people with masks. Jesus, some wore a mask. He was God and he was man. So which one did you see? Which mask did you see when you look at him? Which mask do you want to see when you encounter him? Is he even the son of God? We all have a mask. And a lot of our masks are coming from pain in our life. Things that have happened to us. And we bear it internally, but it comes out externally in our lives of, of how we treat others, how we treat ourselves. Jesus was quick to identify those who wore a mask. Sixteen times in the Gospels, Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites. Now, what does a hypocrite mean to you? Well, you know, what comes to mind of a hypocrite? But of those 16 times, 13 are mentioned in Matthew now, there's some debate about who actually wrote Matthew, but traditionally we have equated the author to be the Apostle Matthew. And what was Matthew before he accepted Christ into his heart? Tax collector. He was a hypocrite. So it makes sense that he would, when he hears that word, it emotionally attaches to him with meaning. Because that used to be me before Christ changed me. I was a hypocrite. Those poor Pharisees, another favorite term for them was the brood of vipers. How many of us internally have called somebody, you brood of viper, you hypocrite? But were you seeing them through the eyes of Christ or were you seeing them through your own eyes? You remember the story of the withered hand in Mark chapter 3? 
They go into a synagogue and the Pharisees are looking for an opportunity to find something that he will do, he being Jesus, so they can condemn him again. And he sees the man and he asks him, is it, can you heal on the Sabbath? Because that's what they were hoping he would do, heal on the Sabbath, which in their mind was works. But in Jesus' heart and in his eyes, he saw a man in need. So he pauses. But he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And after looking around at them with anger and grieved at the hardness of their heart, that's Jesus. Looking at somebody with anger because of the hardness of their heart. Have you ever felt like Jesus was looking at you with anger because of the hardness of your heart? If not, you're probably wearing a mask of pride, of arrogance. I know better. There are all kinds of masks that we can wear. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out immediately and they began to conspire with the Herodians against Jesus. Have you ever heard the, the phrase wolves in sheep's clothing? Pharisees and those around him that were doing things not for him, not for the honor of God, but for themselves. And he calls them ravenous wolves. That's what he does, ravenous. And, and don't think of it in terms of really hungry. What it means, the word actually means is to extort. I'm going to take something from you what, by whatever means I can. I'm going to take it from you. It's mine and I don't want you to have it. There are people like that. Have you seen it on TV? They're not really about trying to make a change or do something. They want it. We call them looters. But they're wolves and sheep's clothing. That's who they are. Then we get closer to home about wearing a mask. In James chapter 1, it says something about looking into a mirror. When you look into a mirror, what do you see? And the scripture says you see the natural face. The natural face is the face that you were born with. And what were you born with? Sin. Sin. A virus. When you look in the mirror, you should have seen a virus. But if you accept Christ when you look in the mirror, you should see a miracle has taken place. You have been healed. But when you walk away from the mirror, you forget about it all. And you start going back. I shouldn't say you. Me as well. We go back to our same old way of living, two-faced. The mask. 
Well, briefly, I want to look at a couple of things. In Luke chapter 9, there are two questions, or really statements. And it happened while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and they were questioning, saying, and he questioned him and saying, who do the people say that I am? Well, John the Baptist, one of the prophets. But then he asked that more poignant question to get to the mask. And actually he's saying, why do you wear a mask around me? Who do you say that I am? If somebody were to ask you, who is Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? You know, Peter responded, you are the Messiah of God. He actually said, you are the Christ of God. And Christ means the Messiah. You are the saved one sent by God. He didn't say you are the king of kings. He didn't say you're the miracle one born of a virgin. You aren't the one who's going to redeem us from the bondage of Israel. I mean, bondage of Rome. You're the Messiah. In other words, the great physician that is going to heal us from this virus that we have from birth. But who is he to you? You know, yesterday I was driving home from somewhere. I won't tell you where I was at. Here. And I'm looking at this car to the left of me, and every person in that car, mom, dad, children, had a cell phone. And every one of them were on that cell phone. And it occurred to me, God, you need to get a cell phone. Because if you had a cell phone, obviously we would spend more time talking to you if you had a cell phone. Because that's what we do. We drive and we're on our cell phone. We're at home, we're on our cell phone. My daughter, you want to watch a movie? Yeah, Dad. Well, I'm looking at it and I look over her. Where's she at? On her cell phone. God needs to get a cell phone for us to talk to him, obviously. Who is Christ to you? A couple of verses later, when the days were approaching of his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him and they went and they entered the village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. Then his disciples, James and John, saw this and they said, now get this. Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? Consume them. Have you ever asked God to do to somebody to that way because you're mad at them? Because you hate them? Because they've wronged you? Have you asked for the worst because you have been mistreated? You may not have asked it, but I bet you most of us can say we thought it. And I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I'll raise mine. Who is he? And he turned... And he rebuked them. 
and said, you don't know what kind of spirit you are of. I didn't come. The Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save their lives. You don't know. It's a, really, it's a play on of words. You know, but you don't believe it. You know who, is, who you are with, and you know what kind of spirit I've been talking to you about, but you don't believe it. You want to misuse it. That's what happens to churches. We misuse God's word for our own purposes. Who is he? And is your spirit the one who wants retribution or is your spirit the one that says, I forgive? We wear a mask. Now that word rebuke means to sharply criticize. I mean, I mean, he was, you probably, if you were there, you probably could have heard his voice come up a couple of octaves. You probably would have seen his face turn to that stern look of anger because of the hardness of their heart. He's already seen. Do we not do that? Let me put it this way. Did you ever think about your parents this way? Boy, I'm getting the look. I am in deep trouble. The look. Do you have that look with your children? When they see it, they know. Whew, I have crossed the line this time. Have you ever seen that look from your father in heaven? Have you ever seen that look from his son who died on the cross for you? If you have it, you're not looking. Because we've all done it. I'm telling you, we all have done it. And we hide behind a mask because we don't want to see it. But there's only healing when we confess that we have done it. He already knows, right? And the true meaning of that word know means this. You may have a head knowledge of it, but you have no heart knowledge at all. You have no idea what the significance is of the Holy Spirit in your life. You use it for you to feel better. You use it so that you will be healed in some way. You never use it as he did, our Father in heaven, who came to save others and not himself. That's the mask that we wear. It's a mask of selfishness. Woe is me. Well, yes, if I don't do what God asked me to do. But if I'm doing what God asked me to do, then there's a joy of the mask coming off and people seeing God acting out through me or you. Then finally, in Luke 17, and having questioned the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Have you been taught to look for certain signs? Have you ever been to an eschatology class where they told you, Here are the signs that the Lord is coming? Have you ever seen on the TV where people announce on this day the Lord is coming? It says right here in God's word, Jesus says it. 
The kingdom is not coming with signs to be observed. And nor will they say, look, here it is. Or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God. Now listen to this. Now the King James is different. The King James actually has it right on this one. But in the New American Standard, it says the kingdom of God is in your midst. But in the King James, it says it's within. Where is the kingdom of God? Within you. If you have accepted Christ as Savior. The kingdom of God is within us. And so we need to take off this mask of self and let the kingdom of God be seen through our faith and in our actions and in the fruit that we bear. Paul says this twice. I find in the principles that evil is present in me. The one who wants to do good. I want to do good, but there's just evil within me. That's what Paul is saying. For I joyfully concur with the law of God, the inner man. The law of God should be in the inner man. Remember the old illustration, you squeeze an orange, what comes out? It's not orange juice. It's whatever's inside. Somebody could have squeezed all the orange juice out and replaced it. God needs to squeeze our heart and get rid of self. And replace it with love. We need to take off the mask. Therefore, do not lose heart, beloved. For though the outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Inner man, inner woman, the inner child of Christ is being renewed day by day. This is going to decay. But what we leave is eternal for God. Why even try to build something for self when it's not going to last, but we can build something that lasts eternally, and that's somebody who believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior. The church has been given a wake-up call. You can say whatever you want about COVID-19. You can say whatever you want about all the things that are going on, about racism, prejudice, the church is being given a wake-up call. What mask are you going to wear? And if you have it on and it's not the Son of God, get it off. Wake up. Stop looking at the outward appearance. That's what it says in 1 Samuel. God doesn't look at how tall he is or what kind of stature he is. God looks at a man or woman's heart. What do we look at? The outward appearance. We do it. You do it. You can't deny it. But we can begin to train ourselves to look at the world differently and look at the world through his eyes. And I've told you this before. It's a reminder. If you're not careful, 
Ministry, whatever ministry you're in, will take you away from something you don't need to be taken away of. There came a time when Cecilia and I were having problems because I was always gone. And when I was home, I wasn't home. I was dealing with something else. And before we knew it, we had drifted apart from one another. And what I saw was in her was only the things that she did that irritated me or disappointed me. And I began to pray, Lord, help me to see her through your eyes. Because all I see now behind this mask that I have put on of pain is the negative. Eventually, God answered that prayer. And I can't imagine living life without her. That's where we're at. But I hope you can't imagine living life without Christ in your life. With the mask off. Repent. It's time. He's asking us to repent. What's held us back from growing? What's held us back from reaching out? What's held us back from loving people who are unlovable? Does scripture not say this? Some of you were, and it lists a whole series of things that you were, murderers, adulterers, liars, cheats, LBGTQ. But such were some of you, but you were washed, you were saved, you were redeemed by the love of God through Christ and the word of his gospel. We've all been renewed. But do we believe it? Do we believe it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are I don't know what we are but what I can pray by faith is we are people that you love and have sent your son to redeem. Help us to be stewards of the time you give us on this earth to honor you. And we can do that by becoming a church that reaches out, that a church that loves, loves no matter who comes through that door, we love with the love of Christ. And I pray, Lord, that this day your Holy Spirit talks to each heart here to answer the question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? In Jesus' name, amen. I did good. I didn't move around. Uh, Jim uh, stapled my feet to, down to the floor. <laughs>